My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, everyone. So glad to see all of you here this morning uh, as we meet and and gather and encourage each other uh, as we continue our walk in uh, this lost and dying world to uh, continue uh, standing fast in the faith uh, and and coming together uh, and worshiping the living God who uh, not only wants to save us, but has the ability to do so. Uh, so if you will, go ahead and turn over in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verse 1 through 16, talking about walking in unity. You see, when we look at each other, we are all different. I might be better looking than a lot. No, I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. But we're all different. We have different callings. Uh, We have different personalities. We experience life differently. Uh, We have different styles of teaching, preaching, and witnessing. Uh, Sometimes we let those differences separate us, though. Sometimes uh, we divide rather than unify over those differences. We make different denominations. Uh, and divided, we begin to see the steepest decline in evangelism and new converts in our history. But instead of dividing over our differences, what we're called to do is walk in unity according to our similarities, using our differences to build the church rather than divide it. So this is not to say first and foremost, that we need to ignore bad doctrine. If something goes against scripture, we need to rebuke it. We need to get rid of it. We need to get onto the same page as the apostles and the disciples gathered in Acts chapter 2. They gathered together in one accord. They came together. They knew that they had differences, that they experienced life differently. But before they walked out of those doors and started preaching the gospel to the lost and dying world around them, it said that they were in one accord. They were in one mindset to pe- preach, not preach, preach the Lord Jesus and the salvation that comes through putting your faith in him. So don't ignore bad doctrine uh, for the sake of unity. Call it out, rebuke it, but ultimately we've got to understand that many of the differences concerning doctrines are man-made doctrines. Things that have nothing to do with scripture and all to do with personal choices and desires. They're not biblical ones. So what we've got to do is look at ourselves as individuals. We've got to look at ourselves as a congregation within the church. And we've got to look at the things that we say we are following, the things that we say we believe, and say, is this in accordance with God? Is this the way that we are being led by God? Or is this a 
personal choice, a personal desire. And if it has anything to do with us and our wants and our desires, we must get rid of it for the sake of unity. So, that being said, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and then we will start with our scripture. Father, I thank you for this day and for bringing us here together this morning. Father, help us to put aside all distractions and focus on what you're going to speak to us this morning. Take my words and make them yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1 through 6, Paul writes this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So, what we've come to is a culture that likes to complain and point out the flaws and uh, judge people rather than find common ground. But if, you're, if you think your faith is strong because you're good at complaining about how others worship or believe, guess what? You've misread the Bible. You see, I, I see a lot of posts on Facebook and, and maybe social media is one of the worst things to happen to mankind. There's a lot of good you can do through it, but there's also a lot of bad that is shown through it. I see pastors and I see Christians and I see youth leaders and, and so many other people get on social media and their whole platform is built on complaining about other people rather than sharing the truth. In fact, I myself got caught up in that for a little while uh, when I was a little bit younger than I am now. And so I would, I would see these flaws, I would see these differences between me and other people, and I thought that it showed the strength of my faith to stand up and complain and, and push against those different beliefs, those different styles of worshiping uh, and, and preaching the gospel. And there was, sometimes as I did it, there was, uh, uh, I was correct in my theology I was correct in saying that was a false belief, but instead of preaching the truth, what did I do? I created a divide. And then I realized, here's the best way to rebuke false doctrine, is not to complain about the person. Not to complain necessarily about even the doctrine that is false. But the best way to rebuke false doctrine instead of dividing people is just simply to preach the truth which will unify us. You see, I rebuke a lot of false teachings today, but guess what? I don't have to call a single name out. Not that I'm against saying, hey, don't listen to this person or don't listen to that person because they are surely a false teacher. But I'm going to say that in the confidence of someone that I know might be listening to a false teacher. But other than that, when I get onto a social media platform and I start seeing things that are wrong, instead of saying, hey, let me get into a big debate over social media, I say, let me post the truth in Scripture on my own page. I guarantee you people will see the difference. Uh, 
They will say, okay, this person is using Scripture. Sometimes this person is just using their personal opinion. And then you have to let the person come to a choice. What are they going to choose? Are they going to choose the truth or are they going to continue to live in the world and choose personal opinion, personal desires? So if you think your faith is strong because you're great at complaining, you're wrong. You've misread the Bible. Uh, Jesus saw false doctrine everywhere. Did you see him stomping his feet the whole time? No. He called it out sometimes. Yeah. Hey, don't do what the Pharisees are doing because the Pharisees were the leaders of that day. But hey, you hear what they're saying. Actually, what they're saying is correct. Just don't live the same life as them because they're not living by the scripture. But he more often just spoke the truth rather than complain about the Pharisees all day. He more often spent his time saying, here is what Scripture says. Here is what Scripture says. Here is the truth. Here's what it means. Here's how you apply it to your lives. He doesn't say stupid Pharisees, stupid Pharisees, stupid Pharisees all day. He says, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. You can listen to the world or you can listen to me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when people heard Jesus, he didn't have to complain about someone else. Because as he spoke the truth, it drew people in. They heard something different than the lies of the world, and they were attracted to that. They wanted to learn more about what that was, why it was so different. Because ultimately, we see the truth will set you free. The truth will start making you realize that you have these shackles of sin on you, that you are captive, you are in bondage to sin, that death is reigning over your life, and then when truth comes into contact with you, when Jesus comes into contact with you, you realize He is the one you need to follow and put everything else behind you. I'll tell you another thing that we need to hear today is that there's not going to be a Baptist church, a Catholic church, a Methodist church, Pentecostal church in heaven. Do you know that? I've been in some churches. Man, I was in the church one time that told me that the only church that was going to be at the feast, the marriage feast, the marriage supper with Christ was going to be the Baptist church. And I was like, oh my goodness, where'd you find that? Tell me how you explain this. And I said, well, it's starts with John the Baptist. No, it doesn't. You know what Baptist means in Scripture? Immerse. He wasn't called John the Baptist. He was called John the Immerser. Why? What did he do? He, he baptized. He immersed people in water. He wasn't called John the Baptist because that was a, a doctrine or that was a religion or that was a denomination. He was called that because of the actions he was taking. Now, we call ourselves Baptists and we kind of look at what John the Baptist did and what Jesus said about John the Baptist and we follow in those doctrines. But I promise you when we stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, Welcome home, my good and faithful Baptist. He's going to look at you if you've put your faith in him and say, Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13, for as the body is one and has many members, uh, but all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So, when we get to these denominations, hey, I understand denominations. I understand why we consider ourselves Baptist. Y'all know I wasn't necessarily in a Baptist church my whole life. I actually was in a Pentecostal church for a good amount of my childhood. And there were things that the Pentecostal church was teaching me that I thought, man, that doesn't match up the scripture. And eventually I started going to Baptist churches and I felt like there were still some things that even as I sat in a Baptist church, I was like, man, that doesn't necessarily match up the scripture, but I didn't see as big as uh, uh, discrepancies in some of those teachings. And so I always maintain this, I am a Christian in a Baptist church. I'm not a Baptist, I am a Christian in a Baptist church. Because what happens if the Southern Baptist Convention decides to follow the world? If I based my whole relationship with Christ off of the Southern Baptist Convention, when the Southern Baptist Convention decides to follow the world, guess who's going to follow the world with it? Me. So I am a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. I am a servant of Jesus in the Baptist church. And that's how you should look at it as well. Not because that's my opinion, but because that's what Scripture tells us to do. There's not a Baptist Holy Spirit. There's not a Pentecostal Holy Spirit or Catholic Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit that guides us all. There's only one God. There's only one Lord who guides us all. We are led by one Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says, There are diversities of gifts. But guess what? But the same Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Again, one Spirit. We read there is one Lord, God and Father, to whom our faith, devotion, and hope are in. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4 through 6. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but the one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we uh, for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. And so here's our first point today. If someone had ordered the ink again... I would say, look at your bulletin. But God's oneness defines the church's oneness. God's oneness defines the church's 
oneness. When we read the scripture, we look up there, we see uh, that there is one body, that there is one spirit, there is one hope, there is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, there is one God and Father. God's oneness defines the church's oneness. There is not multiple churches, there is one church. That's why when I often talk about it, I'll say we are a congregation of the church. So many times we get into this thing that we, we use this, this term church for what we're doing right here. And that's right. We are gathering as the church, but we are a congregation of a whole church. All of the ones that believe in Jesus, that have put their faith in him as Lord and Savior, that believe that He is the Son of God, that believe that He died on the cross for our sins, that believe that He rose from the uh, grave on the third day, that believe that He will one day return for us all. That is what faith is. Sometimes we like to add a little bit more to it, though, don't we? And that's where the differences start to divide us. Verse 7 through 10. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all, all the heavens that he might fill all things. So though we are unified... Under one body, under one spirit, under one hope, under one Lord, under one faith, under one baptism, under one Father, we have different roles. We all experience life differently. We all understand things differently. We all act differently. We all have different gifts. There are things that Oliver can do that I can't. There are things that, that Maddox and Brooklyn back there can do that I can't. There's, I mean, they can reach students probably better than I could today. I like to act like I'm some great youth minister and some great youth camp leader, but I guarantee you that kids would listen more to their voices today than they would listen to mine. So we all have different roles. Paul quotes Psalms chapter 68, verse 18 with a twist. The essence of this psalm is that a military victor has the right to receive gifts from those he has conquered. But Paul suggests that as the one who has conquered death and vanquished slavery to sin, Christ gives gifts to his new devoted followers, the ones that are considered his captives. Because what does it say in, in Romans? What does Paul talk about? We go from being slaves of sin to slaves of righteousness. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We all have different roles. Don't look at another role and envy it, or, or necessarily covet that role over the role that you have been designed for. But seek the role that God has given you the abilities to work in. So many people think that a pastor is a position of power. 
right? Have you, has anyone ever heard that before? Anyone ever seen that happen where someone would get up in a pulpit and they would talk about how they have authority, how they fit a certain criteria? I'll tell you one thing. If there's a criteria outside of just being called by God and equipped by God to be a pastor, I can't be, I can't be one. Every position, first and foremost, in the church is a servant's position. A pastor isn't supposed to be the biggest authoritative person in the church. He's supposed to be the biggest servant to the church. Alright? Every position, even after that, is a servant's position. So don't look around at different positions in the church and say, I'm not going to do something because I'm not serving in that position. When VBS comes up, maybe there's a position that you wanted, you desired to have that position, but then someone else is going to get that. Someone else is going to fill in. Someone else is going to serve in that role. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't say that I'm not going to come work at VBS because God has designed you. He has qualified you. He has given you the tools necessary to serve someone else. If the reason you come to church is based on what you wanted to do, you're here for the wrong reasons. You're not here to fulfill your desires. You're not here to to get something more out of this necessarily. Now, I'm not saying that you don't get anything out of my messages, right? You better say you get... Okay, you better watch yourself over there, Jennifer. I'll, pre- I'll preach about you next Sunday. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you come to church for your own personal gain, you're here for the wrong reasons. Everything you get out of church should be for the glory of God. You get something out of the message, it should be something that you turn around and apply to your life for, not for yourself, but for who? For the glory of God. So here's our next point. God has designed you for a unique purpose to serve His church. I can't tell you what that unique purpose is. I can guess. I see how some people serve and I can say, Hey, look, God has really anointed you. God has really given you an ability here to do something in the church. But ultimately, that is between you and God. God has designed you for a unique purpose to serve His church. And if you are not searching for that purpose, well, then you better start searching. If you're sitting back and thinking, I don't have to do anything in church, I've already done what I wanted to do, I got saved, I put my faith in Christ, there's nothing else. No, that is wrong. When you put your faith in Christ, you then are called to serve Him. If you're not serving him in some way, you're wrong. That doesn't mean you have to have some title, some fancy title. But if you are not serving him in some way, how can you even say, I ever put my faith in him? How can you say, I believe Jesus, I just don't do anything concerning him or for him? Paul emphasizes that the resurrected and exalted Christ now imparts all the fullness of his blessings to the church, to the world through the church. But we continue on, verse 11 through 16 now. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, uh, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Paul really knows how to write a run-on sentence. Let me tell you, it's also, I, I dare you to try and read that three times in a row. But God gifted some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Why did he give them those gifts? Did he give it for their personal gain so that they may gain some type of political power so that they may find some use for themselves out of it? No, he gave them these gifts to equip them to equip other believers. They became these things. They were given the gifts for these things, not for themselves, but so that they could equip other believers for the one mission, again, one mission that we all have, to spread the gospel. We're commissioned that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This, equip, this equipping is to lead to maturity and unity in Christ. Therefore, if you have a gift and that gift is not leading to unity, but it's further dividing people, you are using that gift wrongly. I know some of the gifts that God has given me. I know that I am able to express Scripture confidently and teach it in depth. But if I am teaching it in a way that I am making all Scripture aligned to my opinions to my desires, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to divide people. Because there's going to be other opinions. There's going to be other desires of people that are contrary to mine. And so if I use those gifts, those abilities that God has given me to preach my own desires and my own opinions, I'm going to divide the church. I am called to use His gift to unify the church. The vision... And immaturity in the church leads to being tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. So that also means that as Christians, John would say this, test every spirit. I encourage you to do that. If I preach a sermon, I don't want you to just look at me and say, man, he preached that convincingly because some of the best liars, some of the best dividers are pretty confident, aren't they? That's how they get away with so much. What are you supposed to do? Take everything I say for word? No, you're supposed to take everything I say and match it to Scripture. 
if what I'm saying doesn't match the scripture, I'm causing division. I'm not, I'm not pushing you towards the one goal, the one mission. I'm creating a whole different religion than what the scripture is telling us. So even take my words. I'd love to tell you that I'm not fallible. But take my words and match them to scripture. And if they're not matching the scripture, it's your job as the church to do what? Let me know. That doesn't don't throw a Bible at me. Just come up to me after service and say, Hey, I want to share something with you. And be ready to back it up too. That's what you're called. You can't just say, I didn't like that. You gotta know in scripture. Point it out in scripture. But our goal, this is our last point, our goal as the church is to grow to be more like Jesus. Our goal as the church is to grow to be more like Jesus. We have all of these different gifts, but we're all called to be in unity with these different gifts because we equipped each other with these different gifts so that we can look more like Jesus and spread more of Jesus around this world. Katie and I are completely different. But we're different in such a way that it actually helps out. She, she sometimes over-contemplates things, but guess what I do? I under-contemplate things. I'm way too relaxed sometimes. Sometimes she's a little, you know, more on the strict side. But guess what? When we have a conversation about something, because of the different ways we are equipped, what do you think happens? We level each other out. We work together. We are different. But those differences don't divide us. They unify us. That's exactly what we're called to do as the church. We're supposed to unify each other with these differences so we can push further towards the goal of preaching the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27-31 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. You don't have to be a pastor to serve God. You don't have to lead the music to serve God. You don't have to be a youth minister to serve God. You just have to start with the one faith to serve God. That's where it starts. And there's no such thing, I think. Are there importance on some roles? Are there higher standards to some roles? Yes. But every role is important in its own way to further the kingdom of God. There may be someone that's not a pastor that has more influence and leads more people to Christ than any pastor in this world. Because guess what? First and foremost, did y'all underst- do y'all understand what the role of a pastor is? The role of a Christian is to lead people to Christ. The role of a pastor is to equip Christians to lead people to Christ. So guess what? The pastor isn't even supposed to be the leader in that. 
The pastor isn't supposed to be the one that has the most people he's led to Christ. The pastor is the one that equips people to lead people to Christ. If you have a lost friend, bring them to church. We'd love to talk to them. We'd love to share the word of God with them. But the church is first and foremost for the believers because it literally is the believers as a body. The church is for us to equip each other to go out and make more believers and bring them in to equip them to go out and make more believers and you see so on and so forth. But Christians, here's your, here's your goal today. If you're a Christian and you're hearing this message, stop fighting over differences. I'm going to encourage this too. There might be a difference you see literally out there. I don't agree with that. Alright? First and foremost, before you say anything about it, we're quick to, to condemn, we're quick to fight. Make sure before you ever, you ever say anything about something that it actually goes against Scripture. Can't tell you how many times I felt stupid. Am I allowed to say that? Actually, I never thought about that. Am I allowed to say that word? But anyway, I said it already. So many times I felt uneducated when I would quickly condemn something and then they would ask me, well, where in the Bible does it say I'm not supposed to do this? Where in the Bible does it say anything against this? And I'd be like, uh If you see something that's wrong, first determine, if it feels wrong, first determine, is it wrong because you just feel that way? Or is it wrong because the scripture says it is? Then, let the Holy Spirit guide you. A lot of times I find that the Holy Spirit leads me to just speak the truth. Not necessarily trying to fight someone else, but in a different way. I will preach the truth and people will see that the truth is contrary to what that person is preaching. So stop trying to fight. Stop picking a fight. Stop looking for differences and start unifying over similarities. Use your varying spiritual gifts, whatever they may be, to unify the church, to edify the church, to show the world that we are followers of Christ and not some divided congregations. Let people see the church again. And if you're not a Christian today, you never put your faith in Christ, a great desire of anyone is to find unity, peace, and belonging. You were created for the purpose of having a relationship with Christ. And you will find unity, peace, and belonging in Jesus. I invite you, if you have not put your faith in Christ, to put your faith in Him today. And become part of His church and become part of the unity, the peace, and belonging that he created you to be. If you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Christ, I invite you to, to step forward during the time of invitation. Talk to me. Pray with me. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. But maybe you're watching a little bit later on. You have not put your faith in Christ. I encourage you. Send me a message on Facebook. I want to talk to you more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. What it means to be a part of his one church but think about these things meditate on these things and lead or, or follow don't, don't lead <laughs> follow where the Holy Spirit leads you 
in his word. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. And I thank you for your word, how it guides us, how it unifies us. And I pray that as we leave here today, we leave in one accord, ready to fulfill your one mission to lead others to you. Father, help us to realize the many different gifts you have given us so that we can, as a unified body, with a diversity of gifts, lead more people to your saving grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations, and we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request, or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.